morning. How's everybody today? Wow, that was a slow response. That's frightening. So, I think we should have a, a baby pool for our wonderful sweet sister Julie. What do you think? Do you, how many know what a baby pool is? What, what is it, Alan? What's a baby pool? Yeah, like everybody pitches in a hundred bucks and, and then mark the day. And if it's your day, you get 50% and Julie gets 50% to spend on whatever. No, that, was, that one went over too really bad. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. How many of you know how old Alton is today? <laughs> Do I hear 23? How about 33? How about 63? All right. No? Wow. All right. Well, we're starting off really poorly, so why don't I just turn to words of encouragement? Safer that way. All right. Mr. Parks, I really enjoyed you being in our Bible class with us today from Max. All right. I need someone. Can you help me out, Jake? All right. Max. All right. Mr. Kirkpatrick. Your speech was awesome. Ty, here you go. I'll give this one to you. Here you go. I'll, I'll fight you for it. Here you go. Okay. All right. You're going to have to help me with this one, though. Max, Braxton, and Ty, you're so awesome for being so excited to encourage others. Let's give it up for those three guys back there. <laughs> encourage one another all the more to see the day drawing near. They're getting ready. Mr. Logan, I'd like to listen to you speak the word of God, Braxton. All right, let's give it up for Logan. Woohoo! All right. I don't know if I've done this one before, but it's still appropriate. Andrew, your smile and your piano playing is such a welcome way to start our day. You are such a blessing, and I'm so glad you are back home. I don't know if we did that one before or not, but that's a good one, too. All right. So announcements really quickly, Monday or Sunday night tonight at the Kirkpatrick's. And then uh, Monday night, we're, we're continuing our study on, on uh, hostile witnesses against the church and Jesus Christ. But the interesting thing is, if you're an honest hostile witness and you're telling the truth, you're the best testimony for the existence of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, and of course, the establishment of the church. So we worked, we looked at a, at a, a Joseph, Josephus, Flavius Josephus. He's a Jewish historian. He talked about Jesus in, in really very positive way. And then we looked at a Roman politician, like they're going to tell the truth. Anyway, this guy, you know, kind of an anomaly, did tell the truth about Jesus and his followers. Interestingly enough, he was uh, appealing to the emperor to find out how badly he should punish these Christians for being Christians. But in the context, amazing testimony of how, how amazing the Christian people were in faithfulness to God as he was finding out how bad he should torture them. Crazy, but at least he was you know, saying how good these people were. He felt terrible in having to, uh, to torture them because they were such good people. 
That's a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ changing hearts that people would not give up the faith and remain faithful as good people. Wow, powerful. And now we have another one. A Roman historian is coming to our house tomorrow night. And so I hope the college age group will show up because it would be terrible for that Roman historian to write all that good stuff or not. So that's on Monday nights, Wednesday nights. Over to the Kirkpatrick's house, we're working through the book of Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter one. And then Thursday night, lady study? Oh yes, of course, Thanksgiving. What am I thinking? We're having Thanksgiving in our house, right, honey? Okay, Thursday night. All right, wow. Uh, also, too, December 15th. You're not invited, my friend. <laughs> Why don't you shave and then you could be invited? Because that's not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, uh, so, December 15th, Wednesday night, right here, we're having a Christmas party celebrating Jesus' birth. It'll be like a birthday party for Jesus. So, hopefully, you can make it December 15th, starting at 6 o'clock. All sorts of good food, and we're going to have white elephant gifts. That's always fun. So, unless you get the last prize and somebody steals it from you. So anyway, we're going to be doing that on December 15th. So write it on your calendars. That'd be great. Any other announcements besides anybody still not yet know how old Alton is? Alton, how old are you? Forty-five. <laughs> Add them together. Just pick one. Okay, 40, 47, 46? Are you sure? 44? Man, you're having a rough go with that. You're in your 40s. I found when I turned 40, I finally kind of figured out what life was all about, and I wasn't over the hill. I was just getting going. So anyway, you're in, you're in a good place. So There you go. All right, so anybody else got a birthday? I have one. This coming week. <laughs> Wait a minute, faith. This week, huh? Tomorrow. Okay. So I'm going to say you're probably 20, 20, 23. You're not all. You go 23. Okay. I'll take in 23. You can have 47, 44, 45. Yeah, okay. All right. Good. Excellent. Happy birthday tomorrow. All right. Anybody else got a birthday this coming week? Lars! Lars! I won't even ask how old you are, Lars. I'm sorry. I'm being nice. You're 40... 42! Excellent, Lars. Excellent. Yeah, we're not going to have to go to the book of Revelation, man. Liars will be friars somewhere in there. Happy 42 plus shipping and packing and damage and all that other stuff. There you go. Anybody else want to be abused this morning? Hey, got a birthday coming up this week? All right. Lars, you're, you're, you still like me, don't you? Okay, good. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woo-hoo! All right. 
Wow, this is going to be a dangerous morning, I can tell already. <laughs> stick to your notes, Bill, stick to your notes. The uh, title of the lesson this morning is really great, Noah. Noah was a great man of faith, a great man of, of character, and a great man uh, of perseverance. In fact, I think he is probably uh, the model of perseverance over a long period of time. You know, Job persevered. He had a pretty rugged, intense persecution. But now we see a man who is, is uh, one of those guys that does the marathon, and he just goes and goes and goes and talk about the challenges and difficulties in his life, and he never gave up. Never gave. What an inspiration. He is, if you understand how much he endured in order to save mankind. And so we're going to take a look at that. We're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 11 to begin with. And then I'm going to read a, a, a little bit bigger section in the book of Genesis. Not as much as your notes say. We're not going to read all, all five chapters. We're going to read some of it that's going to give us how he was able to endure all of the trials and challenges and difficulties. And he powered through and he saved his family, establishing mankind. So let's take a look. Hebrews in chapter 11. Uh, a, a real quick statement about his faithfulness. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, the very first person that is spoken of here after that statement is Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. What a powerful statement about the man Noah. And now I want to go back and take a look at the book of Genesis and chapter 6. Notice the notes here say start in Genesis 5. But we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6 and we are going to start in verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 is where we'll start this morning. And you'll want to turn there because the vast majority of today's lesson is based upon what we read here in regards to the man Noah and uh, the amazing man that he was, and then we'll get a little bit later into what he actually endured. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things, to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time or in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt or literally perverse in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. He looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth, or actually perverted their way on the earth. They had denied God's way. Then God said to Noah, The end of flesh has come before me, 
for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark, literally a huge ship of gopher wood. And you shall make the ark with rooms and and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You you shall make a window for the ark and finish it uh, to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind, and they shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing, the ground after its kind, two of every kind that will come to you to keep them alive. So those animals, by God's design, are actually going to come to where the ark is being built. And, and two, male and female, and then of clean, then you would have uh, seven. So of seven pairs. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them, the animals. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. We're just going to read a little bit further now. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and female, and of the animals that are not clean to a male and female, and also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Now I have to share with you that that basically talks about the kind of man that Noah was. And then we're going to get into the challenges that he faced. I'm going to ask you to participate this morning. You say, oh no, a participatory sermon. Well, I want you to really think about how difficult it was for him and his family to do what they did. Because I oftentimes think, oh yeah, it took 100 years to build the ark. It was kind of a big boat, so I can understand 100 years. Okay, so we kind of get that mindset. Now, I shouldn't project what I oftentimes think on you. Please forgive me for doing that. But I don't really think about 100 years I just think of Noah's wife, what she had to put up with. Can you imagine? And then in-laws. Oh my goodness. It had to be crazy. And yet for a hundred years, he stayed the course. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I want you to participate a little bit. And then we're going to take a look at really what did he have to do in that hundred plus years. Well, with that, let's go look at point number one. Noah, a man of faith and faithfulness. 
There's a difference. Man, you can have faith in God, but are you faithful to those whom God has given you? He was faithful to God and faithful to his family. What a powerful man. Look at your notes there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 6 and 7. I want to read that once again. So please go back with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 6 and 7. We need to recognize and understand that the faith that we witness here in Noah is the same faith that we need to have. And so I would ask you to consider some things in regards to this verse. Look at verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, if you don't believe that there's a reward for being a faithful Christian, you're going to pull up short at some point in time. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I've had actually people say it. It's not worth it. And it breaks my heart because they don't see the great reward for those who remain faithful. You already know. How many times have we looked at the scripture that says those who remain faithful will receive a hundredfold blessing in this life? A hundredfold blessing in this life if you're faithful to God and his word and then eternal life in the next. And so when people have that mindset, I'm just it's not worth it. It's just I can't do anything right. Nothing's going right. Everything's falling apart. Well, what do you think Paul must have thought when he goes and preaches in a town and gets killed or left to die? Goes to the next town. They beat him up. Goes to the next town. Throw him in prison. Goes to the next town. God, what are you doing? He didn't have that attitude. He was faithful to God because he had faith in God. So it's important for us to recognize there's great reward if you'll remain faithful and have faith in God. So let's take a look at this, verse seven. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence or in fear, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which, by the ark, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. You know, he believed God, even though he had never seen rain, even though he had never in his mind thought about a worldwide destruction of man. You know, I think we could probably maybe believe in a Holocaust fire that would destroy the earth. Lord knows back in 1985, the Russians almost dumped all of their warheads on us. Well, you know what would have happened if that would have happened? It was in 1985. You go back and do a little research. There was a Russian uh, uh, ignition control guy and one of the silos was told to fire his missiles. He didn't. He got disappeared. But there was a computer glitch in his particular uh, installation. And he thought that we were launching our ICBMs. You know what? In 1985, the world would have been burnt up. Now, we can kind of see the world getting burned up, but not the way God describes it. There is another judgment day coming. Noah believed that this judgment was going to be exactly as God said. The world was going to be deluged with water. He didn't even know what rain was. It had never rained before. Go back and do a little study. It had never rained. Because how the earth was designed at that time, there was no rain. It didn't need to be rained on. 
after the, the, the cataclysmic flood, the whole world geography and topography changed radically. And so now we have places of desert and places of, of, of rainforests. What we have today was not like what it was back then. He didn't even know. And it's going to be a flood that's going to cover the whole earth up above the mountains by 15 cubits? How is that even possible? He believed that God was able to deliver, and we know now from archaeological, geological evidence that there was a worldwide cataclysmic flood. We know it without a doubt. Now, there's people who are unbelievers who say that there was a, a huge regional flood called the Missoula Flood, and that's why we have seashells at the top of our high mountains here locally. Well, there are seashells on all of the high mountains, including the Himalayas. There was a cataclysmic flood. He believed it before he saw it. And he prepared. And he prepared the ark for the salvation of his family, but not only for his family, but who anyone who would have gotten in the boat. And they all rejected it, as you well know. He believed God and he believed God would deliver him and reward him for his faithfulness. Now, we need to recognize something here, brethren, and some of you know this. Faith without works or faith without a corresponding obedience is no faith at all. You can say you believe, but the demons also believe and shudder, but they will not obey. Noah heard God say, there's going to be a cataclysmic flood. You need to build a gigantic seagoing vessel with the ratio of one to six displacement so that it will be the most stable seagoing vessel that has ever been built. And by the way, they still use that displacement ratio today in all seagoing vessels. It's the most stable displacement ratio uh, in the world. All of them use that. All of our big battleships, all of our aircraft carriers, all of those freighters that are sitting out in the harbors outside of, of LA and everywhere else. All of them have the same displacement ratio as Noah's Ark. God gave him the right blueprints. He believed it. He built it. Genesis 6, verse 18. I want you to turn there with me. Going back to Genesis 6. See, he was a great man of faith, but that faithfulness actually translated into a life, a life well lived. Look at it, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18. What do I read there? It says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And again, I want you to take a look at verse chapter 7, verse 6 and 7. Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the, the water of the flood. Notice they're still together after 100 years. I know people that say, I can never work with my wife. She would drive me crazy. And the wife's going, yeah, back at you, honey. You know, that 100 years of working together? And then the three boys and their, their, their wives? I don't know about you, but man, I'm talking about in-laws and daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws. It gets pretty crazy. Talk about weird stuff that goes on in families. Man, here are eight people. They work together as an amazing team. 
You see, this man, Noah, must have been a great leader. He was able to bring seven other people, different perspectives, to come together and work together to produce one of the great miracles of the world. Looking at the next verse there, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 8, verses 18 through 20. Take a look at that one. Genesis 8, verses 18 uh, through 20. Notice what it says here in verse 18. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. After the flood, they come, they come out of the ark. Every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. This man led his family for over 101 years. Some people speculate 121, but 101 years and the family was intact and the family worshiped God together. Pretty powerful picture of a family man, wouldn't you agree? He had to be a great man in order to keep his family intact in some of the worst trials in the world has ever seen. When trials come, it really tests the metal of a marriage. When trials come, it really tests the metal of the individual character of a man or woman. And Noah was the one that God chose to lead. Powerful picture if you really want to think about it. Look at chapter 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Noah's wife faithfully followed and was his helpmate. Noah couldn't have done what he did without a helpmate. God said in the garden this very statement in, in verse 9, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So Adam and Eve went forth and they subdued the earth. And that's what we're called to do as husbands and wives. But even our families. You know, I still have a long way to go before I have three daughter-in-laws. And I'm praying for them. Right, Andrew? I'm praying for my, my daughter-in-laws. I have no clue who they are, but I'm praying for them because I know my sons. <laughs> But I'm praying for my sons too because, you know, I thought I knew everything when I got married. I thought I was God's gift to everyone, most especially to Sharon. Come to find out, I was clueless. I didn't know what it meant to be a man of God. I didn't know what it meant to be a, a husband, faithful in all things. Man, I tell you what, we struggled. So here we have a man, a hundred years with his wife and his sons and his daughter-in-laws and they stayed together and they built this amazing, miraculous ship that would not only save them, but all of uh, the animal kingdom. Amazing. Now that's a miracle in and of itself. And it was on the shoulders of one man. One faithful man. He's a good man. Take a look now at point number two. Noah, man of character and righteousness, Genesis 6 in verse 9, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. Very beautiful statement here. 
These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, blameless in his culture. Noah walked with God. Powerful statement. Noah found favor with God, it says in verse 5, because of those. God chose Noah because of his character. God chose Job because of his character. Those men persevered because of their character. Brethren, it's important. Character is so critical. I sent out a little uh, word of encouragement this last week. Talk's cheap. Character is what counts. I mean, you can talk all you want about being loyal and trustworthy. I want to see it. That's how God is, and there's nothing wrong with that. So these men were selected to lead and do great things as examples for us. Will we listen to their example? What does it mean to be righteous? The word righteous means to know and then have the courage to consistently do the right thing. If God says this is going to happen, and you're going, that's impossible. I've never seen that happen before. You're not faithful. God says, here's what I want you to do. And if you are righteous, you will do that very thing that he calls you to do. Can I suggest that he's calling you to build an ark? He's calling you to build an ark. He's calling you to build a life based upon his blueprint, the blueprint of his son, Jesus Christ. The ark is literally entering into a right relationship with Jesus Christ as Christ's helpmate. When I was thinking about Noah's wife, Noah could not have done what he did in saving the world without his bride. And you know what? Brides are called helpmates to help their husband subdue the earth, help their husband be that great shining example of Christ. Now, your preacher, I hate to admit, pulled a big bonehead this last, what was it, Friday or Thursday? Alan, was it Friday or was it Thursday? I can't even remember what day it was I pulled a bonehead. That's terrible. So here I'm up in Albany and my wife called me and goes, hey, I think Alan and Liberty are here. And I go, they are. And she goes, yeah, I think it's them. And I go, I don't have them in my day planner. This is my brain, by the way. Don't touch it. (laughs) Serious. Now, some of you know me. Go, yeah, you're right. Don't touch it. Okay, so I look. They're not in my day planner for Friday at 1 o'clock. Then I go back to my cell phone after I get done with the meeting I had up in, in Lebanon. Uh, and I look and I, lo, lo and behold, in my text feed, yeah, I'll see you guys Friday at one o'clock. I didn't write it down. And you know what? My wife is so good. She goes, no problem, no problem. I go, that's a problem for me. I want to be perfect, see? And so uh, I felt like a horrible driving back home. You know, we're the loser. Uh, I know none of you ever do that, but uh, I hate it when I miss a study. I've done that twice for you guys. Wow, I was thinking, Alan's just going to say, forget it, man. I'm not going, I'm not doing this. Now, he got a big smile. She might go, well, all right, no problem. 
You know what my wife does? She opens up the house and sits down, chats with them, gives them scones. Did, she, did you get to take scones with you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had my work yesterday, too. Okay, there you go. There you go. My, my wife knows how to make friends better than I do. It's called scones. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, Sharon and I are kind of hitting our, our pace together. Because we're working and helping and loving and caring about people together. And, and many of you know that's not how it's been in the past. But it, we're really hitting our stride. I'm so excited. So when you get to be 60 plus, this really gets good, Alton, okay? You're only just 40 something. So it's amazing what ends up happening when two people decide, you know what, we're going to work the same program together. I couldn't do it without my wife. I could never do it without my wife. I've just been coming to that realization most recently. You're saying it's about time. <laughs> Noah's wife was amazing. She raised three amazing sons. They were faithful men as they looked to their father and they saw their mom. One of the things that Jacob said just recently to my wife made me about cry. He says, I want to marry someone like you. And I was thinking, smart guy. I didn't say that out loud. I should have, and I would have gained points, but I, I didn't. <laughs> but the key is this. It's so important. He was a man of great faith. He did the right thing at the right time. He needed to be a man courageous. He was blameless. In other words, not only did he live a life doing the right thing at the right time, but it was always relational. He always did the right thing for the people he was working with. That's super important. Blameless means that people can't get their hands on you for, for not being a man or woman of integrity or virtue. He was a man of impeccable integrity. People could not bring blame because of his life and his family. He walked with God. I love this one. You've heard me say this before. He walked with God. As God walks, so did Noah. And we shared this scripture this morning, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. We are the beloved children of God, and we are called to walk in love just as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a sweet aroma sacrifice that we might be saved. We need to walk in those footsteps so other people can be saved from the coming judgment. You know, the church, the kingdom of God, being a Christian is the only ark, the only vessel, the only way to pass through the judgment fires. They're coming. And they'll be here, I think, in relatively short order. We need to build a life like Noah so we can persevere, persevere during the difficult times so people will see us and go, man, Rick's got this thing dialed in. Everything else is going to, you know, wearing a handbasket and he's got it dialed in. You know what? As where you work, things are shaken out, you know, crazy stuff. So Rick stays the course. They see Rick. They go, man, I don't know what you're doing, but you seem to be okay with all this craziness. You haven't lost your brain. Tell me what you're doing. That happens that way. It does happen that way. It does happen that way. People will come to you when things get really crazy if you're living the life and you're, you're being a man of, a woman of virtue, a man of integrity, and you're blameless. You're walking with God. 
Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22. Genesis 6 and verse 22. Notice what it says there. It says, And thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Take a look at chapter 7 and verse 5. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Look, that's righteousness, brethren. That's righteousness. When God says to do something, do it. Yeah, but it sounds like law keeping to me. It's not law keeping. Now, I'm not going to, I hope you're not thinking I'm making a joke here, but ladies, if you had a perfect husband, would you follow his direction? If you knew he was a perfect husband, would you follow his every direction without question? Yes or no? Only a couple of you are coming up to that one. I don't know. There's a trick. Preachers always set people up. I'm not going to say. Okay. No, this is the, 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 this not, would you? The answer, of course, would be yes. Of course I would. Jesus is a perfect husband. He loves you more than you love yourself. He's calling you to be and do certain things. If you love him as his bride, then you should do what he asks you to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, it's a love thing, not a law thing. Do you really love him? Do you really trust him? Has he proved perfectly trustworthy? And I'm not talking about your biological husband, although some of you are close to perfect, I know. But I'm talking about Jesus. How important that is. He obeyed God in everything that God told him to do. Were there three decks on Noah's ark? Was there a door in the side? Was there a window up top? Was it 300 cubits long? Was it 45 50 cubits wide. Was it, was it? I can't remember the other one. What's the last one? 45 cubits, something else. It's in there. It's important for us to recognize he built that boat exactly like the way he said to build it and he built his family exactly the way God told him to build his family. Here's where it gets good. Noah, a man of great perseverance. Look at Genesis 6.14. Genesis 6.14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms. You're covered inside and out, yada, 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 yada. I'm not going to go through all of that. Look at 621. Chapter 6 and verse 21. As for you, take for yourself some of all food, which is edible, and gather it to yourself. Now, some people speculate that the, that the ark took 120 years. Some people speculate it took 100 years. I've even found on the internet, don't trust anything you ever find on the internet, that it took 25 years, 50 years, 45 years, 75 years. There's this all over the map. But I do know, I do know that at 500 he got started, at 600 he finished it up. That's pretty close to 100 years. I went to government school and I still got that one. Okay. <laughs> So, so we have to think about it. During that 100 years, he actually had to construct an ark that he had no clue on how to do it. He was a vine dresser. He was a gardener. He was not a shipbuilder. 
Don't know what his boys did. He also had to gather enough food for all of the animals and for himself. He didn't know how long he was going to be on that boat. He didn't. Well, some say, well, 40 days and 40 nights. Well, you need to read your Bible. It was over a year. It was actually one year and 10 days. They were on the boat one year and 10 days. That's a long time to be on a boat. Would you not agree? You go back and look at the, it's math. I did pretty good in adding and subtracting. It's 100 and, 110 days. Or excuse me, one year and 10 days. Excuse me. That's a long time. Brethren, let's go back now. I'm going to ask you this question. He persevered. Tell me about his wife. How did she help him persevere? What did he have to be to persevere? Do you think Noah might have been a little fearful? The whole world is going to be flooded. The floodgates of heaven are going to open. The floodgates of the earth, the bowels of the earth will open up. And the whole earth will be flooded up to 15 cubits above the highest mountain. I don't know about you, but as I read my Bible, the fire that's coming is going to vaporize the world. Souls will remain for eternity, but everything physical will be vaporized. And you can look at that. You study the Greek. When it says melted with intense heat, it's vaporized. I can't have an, hardly get my mind around that. Everything's going to be completely in its lowest elemental parts. That's coming. I've never seen it. It's hard for me to get my brain wrapped around that, but I know it's coming. That's a little terrifying for me. I've been reading the book of Revelation and some of the stuff that goes on right near the end, and I have to be honest with you, it's it's tough read. It's a tough read. I've had to get in my mind's eye the courage I will need at the end. Remember, some of you have been here around long enough. I know Eric and Cynthia have been around here long enough to know that. I, I want to be alive when Jesus comes back. It'll be great. I'll be preaching and I'll, I'll be a turn of blaze of glory. How many have ever heard me say that before? According to my reading in the book of Revelation, it's not going to be that way. I'm not probably going to be in this pulpit preaching. It's going to be a little bit different. I might be in a FEMA camp with one little light preaching to a bunch of people. I don't know. But it's going to be rough at the end. That's, I have to be honest, that's frightening. That's frightening. So I have to build a faith, the faith of Noah. That's the kind of faith I need to build. And I'm sharing with you, brethren, I'm not there yet. That's why this series of lessons, I want to get there so I will persevere. I want to be like Noah, a man of great courage. And I'm so thankful that my wife is helping me become a man of great courage. And my sons also are encouraging me as I encourage them. I want to be that. I want to be that man like Noah, blameless, righteous, walking uh, in the ways of God. We can be that. Noah did not have the Holy Spirit. 
Noah did not have all of the scriptures completely finished. He didn't have it all. And he did it. We have it all. And we have the spirit of Christ in us. And Jesus made it. So we can too. Brethren, please help me. What did Noah, give me some character qualities of Noah, and I'll give you some of mine, that he needed to have for a hundred years of shipbuilding. He needed to be a good leader, focused on each individual doing their part. He needed to take the plan of God and use the plan of God practically. He needed to direct and delegate. He needed to communicate. As a man, he needed to learn how to listen because he hadn't learned yet. Uh, that was just me, sorry. I added that in there. He needed to be willing to correct when there was a mistake because the boat needed to be able to go through a cataclysmic flood. He needed to encourage, he needed to inspire, and he needed to do that every day, day in, day out for 100 years. What else did he have to do in order to get that done? You think he was tired? You think Noah got tired? What do you think? Pfft, you kidding me? Just reading it makes me tired. Of course. So he had this team. I believe that his sons encouraged him and he encouraged his sons. I believe his daughters-in-law encouraged him and he encouraged them. I believe his wife was probably a linchpin, although wives seem to be kind of left in the shadow. I don't think so. Man, I know what I have. So critical that they all work together with that same kind of faith. And then they had to go gather food. Do you see how difficult that would be? Some people can't make it a year. Some people can't make it one week working together with their family. I'm just saying. To work together on the same goal? Talk about a challenge, but he was the man for the challenge. Look at Genesis chapter 7 and verse 11. We're getting close to the end of the lesson. So don't, don't give up quite yet. We don't, we're not even close to 100 years. Okay, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were open. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Now jump over to chapter 8 and verse 13 and following. Chapter 8 and verse 13 to get the time frame. Now it came about in the 601st year in the first month. So it's a year later in the same month. On the, on the first of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. They didn't come out of the boat yet. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives with you. So, over a year on the ark, now, it would have been okay to build the ark over 100 years because if they needed to get away from each other, they could just go out and get away from each other. I need a, I need a break from you, honey. Right? Now you're cooped up in a boat. So tell me about this boat experience. Tell me what you would think that boat experience was like. Let's try to do this for a minute. 
The animals had to be fed. What was it? Lots of stall mucking. Lots of stall mucking. Lots of stall mucking. Do you know what that means? Shoveling the you know what out. Okay? And talk about the smell. Talk about the smell. For over a year. You gotta feed the animals. How often time do you feed the animals? Well, yeah, more than once. What was that? That's just the kids. <laughs> they were older. They weren't animals. They were grown up. They're mature. Okay, so. <laughs> what else? Nobody had sea legs to start with. They might have been, you know, barfing all the time. Who knows? You don't know. Can you imagine? They didn't have any Dramamine back then either. Wow. That adds to the pleasure of the aroma through the ship. What else? Relative, yeah, absolutely. Relative darkness. I'm, I'm sure they had, you know, the oil lamps or whatever that, you know, they had back then. I'm sure they did, but relative darkness. So tell me about if, if the, the bowels of the earth broke open and literally the crust of the earth was shifting creating these gigantic mountain ranges up. Tell me what that ride was like. Yeah, it wasn't very smooth. You are absolutely not. Probably some real big waves. Absolutely. You were probably going super high and then dumping really low. I mean, I can't even imagine. That's why that boat had to be built correctly. God knew what he was doing. I'm sure glad Noah took him seriously. But yeah, could you imagine a big boat like that coming up to the top of a swell? And then going down again? That's like a year-long roller coaster ride. I don't know about you. I love roller coasters. But not for a year, every day, all day long. Excuse me. I mean, it's terrifying. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. Now, I've been told about a guy named Leo Jones that he used to go out on the ocean. And was it you, Kirk, that went out with him when the swells were like, what was it, like 20 feet high or something? I can't remember. Double flag. Double flag, whatever that means. We're all living on coast. I don't go out on the ocean. So so this is where the, that wave will swallow you and you will die if you don't go into the wave, right? That's the, It was worse than that. The whole world depends on you keeping your head. The whole world depended on you for 100 years and leading your family. Do you realize how great a man this guy was? And he didn't have the Holy Spirit. And we get so wimped out. Oh, life's not going very well for me right now. I just I broke my toenail. That's why the terminology we laugh about People being snowflakes, they melt when any kind of heat comes into their life. It's sad. Man, we need to toughen up. We need to be like this guy. Life is filled with horrible, horrible challenges and trials. I'm not going to give you any specifics, but I've been on my knees crying, bawling for God's mercy in regards to my family. 
more than once. A lot of it was because of my stupidity. So it's important that we recognize and understand that trials are going to come. You can't bail. If you bail, not only will you be lost, but your family will be lost, and all those people that you could have reached will be lost. Before I was a Christian, many of you know that I almost committed suicide by blowing my brains out with a 30-30 rifle that my dad had given me for my 16th birthday. If I would have blown my brains out, there's an awful lot of people that wouldn't be on their way to heaven. So please don't even consider that. That's a, a permanent solution to a temporary set of challenges. Please recognize and understand that your life matters. Noah's life mattered. His family mattered. He changed the world, and now we have opportunity to walk as he walked in the footsteps of God and change the world. I don't know what the future holds, but I'll tell you what, some things we've seen of recent are I never would have thought. Maybe you don't agree with me, but I never would have thought. So the reality is, is that these lessons are important right now. Go back and think about the intense trial that Noah went through. And you choose to go through the trials in this day, the challenges in this day, just like Noah. Be a man or woman of integrity and virtue. Be righteous in reading the word of God and doing what it says, knowing that God is faithful and will reward you. Build that life where people will look to you and go, if I live like her, if I live like him, I know that I'll be pleasing to God. Brethren, how critical this is. Your life depends on it. Your family depends on it. Our family as a church body depends on it. And all those outside who are watching us depends on it. How awesome it is that God has given us this great work. I think it's awesome. It's tremendous. And he knows that we can if we believe in him and know that he'll reward us if we do. Let's pray. Father, I just am in awe of Noah when I started to think about a hundred years of working with the family and the animals and the building and, and so many unknowns in his life and yet he continued faithfully to move forward without the fear that would you know, immobilize him. He continued to move forward. Great courage, great faith. And he chose to do what was right even though he didn't fully understand the end result. And yet he knew that you were faithful and so he would live by faith and be faithful to you. Father, help us to be those same kind of people. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand up and get excited. What did Jesus say? He said to go. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, thank you very much. Let's go do her. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.